Hello, I'm Alison Twycross. I'm editor of Evidence-Based Nursing and Deputy Dean and Lead Nurse at London Southport University. And I'm delighted to be hosting this Evidence-Based Nursing EBN podcast today with Dr. Brina Quinn. The, the podcast is going to be about the commentary that um, Dr. Quinn wrote for Evidence-Based Nursing. School nurses are able to support adolescents experiencing pain, secondary to stress and unhealthy lifestyle choices. And, and this was a commentary on a paper published in BNC Nursing, How School Nurses Experience and Understand Everyday Pain Among Adolescents. So, Dr. Quinn, thank you so much for joining us today. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your interest in this area? Yes, so thank you for inviting me to join the podcast. I'm a professor at the University of Massachusetts Lowell in the United States in the School of Nursing, as well as a practicing school and pediatric nurse. I mainly work with children who are nonverbal with intellectual disability, and our research was about ways that we can identify and address their pain in the school setting. So before we start talking about the paper itself and the commentary, can you tell us how prevalent chronic pain is in this population of children with profound disability? It is prevalent. Um, Children with profound disability, we don't always notice their pain, so it can go on for a long time since they can't tell us much about it. And then beyond that, they have more incidence of disorders like gastrointestinal disorders, um, seizures, and other comorbidities that lead to pain. And when any child's in pain, they really can't pay attention in school and attend to their curriculum or fully engage socially with their peers. I think over the last year or so, I've become far more aware of the fact that these children with these severe and profound disabilities are experiencing far more pain than we ever imagined. And, and, and I know there's been some work done in, in this country by Bernie Carter and her group that shows the impact that has on the child and the family. So it's really timely. So if we move on to look at the commentary, um, how school nurses experience and understand everyday pain among adolescents, can you tell me a bit about the strengths of the study? A major strength was the qualitative approach. I think that there is no better way to get the rich information about what it's like in the patient care setting here in the school setting than to sit down and talk to the nurses. Um, Their use of focus groups as the data collection method was the choice that likely increased efficiencies for the researchers and participants in terms of time and cost of the study. But I found that when I conducted focus groups that the discussion, hearing other professionals that they have similar challenges and barriers is cathartic or therapeutic to the group that you're studying too. Great personal insight into using the um, qualitative data collection approaches. So those were good aspects of the study, strengths of the study. What were the limitations of the study? I thought that the global generalizability might be limited just because the role of the school nurses and access to school-aged children have um, not only to an education but also to school nurses does vary across nations. Um, For those children who don't have access to a nurse who provides direct care and services in the school building, we have to think of where they're turning and how we can help them. Um, I recently saw a colleague here in the US sent out a tweet that, you know, students don't say, can I go see the counselor or can I go see my dean? I need to go see the school nurse when they're having any kind of pain problem, whether it's emotional or physical. Um, While the question was out of scope of the present study, replicating the study in different geographic areas with other professionals would be helpful. And then only beyond that, not a limitation of how they designed the study or conducted, but um, generally to studying health issues in children, is the record-setting pace of their technology and health habits, how they're changing. You know, by the time practicing nurses might be able to implement a new way to address pain 
following stress and unhealthy lifestyle choices, the students might have an entirely new or exponentially compounded health problem leading to pain. So where the evidence to practice translation is widely known to be slow, with the speed of these innovations and by which their lives and experiences are changing. That's a really interesting point. Um, and this study was carried out in Norway. Yes. Just for some context for our listeners, what do you know about differences in school nursing services across the world? Well, even here in my own um, county or state in the United States, it differs. Some students have access to a school nurse um, every day for the entirety of the school day. Some might have multiple nurses in the building. Um, some might have a nurse driving from building to building. And then some might have a nurse covering um, a whole county or region of thousands of students as more as a, a paperwork moderator or um, care coordinator when they can be. Um, it sounded like from this study, all of the nurses involved were stationed in a school providing direct services. Um, but just based on funding or policy or how nursing is implemented globally, that's not the case. Here in the US, there is a charge to have a school nurse in every building, um, every day available to the child for the whole time they're in school or doing school activities. But we haven't realized that here, and I know we haven't realized that globally either. Now, in, in the UK, I think we were moving towards that. But in, in England, um, school nursing services got moved to be managed by local authorities in most cases fairly recently. And since then, I know there is some anxiety about the level of the service provided to, to children and young people decreasing. It, 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 it's an issue that these children and young people aren't getting the support from the nurses that they need on a, on a regular basis. I agree. Outside of just pain, you know, if they don't feel like they have someone trusted or we're taking out another trusted person in the school building they could talk to about these pain and psychosocial issues. Um, you know, the students with chronic conditions like diabetes and seizures and asthma or um, needing EpiPens, life-threatening allergies, you know, how, who's going to manage them and who's qualified to do it? Yeah, and I know there's been a bit of debate about the role of the school nurse in child and adolescent mental health as well and that's a really growing area of need and if the nurses aren't there anyway we're digressing a little bit yes. I'm going to go back to the study um, tell me what you think is important about the findings of, of, of the study I thought the finding about the medicalization of psychosocial sources of pain was particularly poignant um, it's challenging as a nurse to first identify pain and then address it adequately in the school setting so the kids can learn. But second, refer to appropriate services. Um, we certainly don't want children to be tied up in scans and lab draws looking for physical causes of pain when they're in need of psychosocial support. So while finding a way to efficiently identify the etiologies of pain in the school setting and then streamline referral services might take a long time, School nurses and other staff members can most certainly start to brainstorm and incorporate initiatives aimed at reducing those psychosocial stressors that lead to pain in school children. So, what are the implications of the study for healthcare professionals and nurses in particular? Continuing to consider psychosocial sources of pain will be important. Sometimes we do have to separate physical and psychosocial sources of pain. Um, for example, in my specific area with nonverbal children, we would not want to miss a surgical abdomen, um, a physical source of pain that would require an immediate intervention. Um, but in children who are neurotypical or who are more reliable reporters of their experience, we also care about the source so we may address causes of pain. Um, but as school nurses, we must remember that this subjective experience of pain indeed can be from stress, anxiety, or depression. 
Um, and substressors can be from chronic or situational sources, like seeing something on social media or being the recipient of bullying. Yeah, it's interesting. I think we sometimes forget that pain is a biopsychosocial phenomenon. And so we do need to address the, 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 the physical causes and the psychosocial issues as well. This is a field that, that, that's evolving all the time and, and we're learning more and more about it. Right. What further research do you think is needed in this area? Continuing to involve nurses in a study with aims similar to the one described from different parts of the globe would be helpful in determining the scope of the problem and then solutions across different models of school nursing. Um, and then beyond that, research aiming to develop or test school-wide interdisciplinary initiatives to ameliorate psychosocial pain antecedents and increase the access to or motivation to participate and healthy lifestyle choices is also needed. So we might prevent the pain experiences that the adolescents are experiencing now. Sure, I think there's a real need to do some public health yes. related work. And, and it, it is interesting when I've looked, and I haven't done this recently for prevalence data about chronic pain in children and young people, it's really difficult to get that accurate data. So I guess maybe there's a need to find how big the problem is. Um, yes, and that could support you know future work or public support or monies for these initiatives. If, if our listeners were to take away one key message from this podcast, what would it be? I think it would be that identifying, assessing, and properly addressing pain are really complicated tasks, um, given the subjective nature of pain experiences. And that's for any nurse in any setting with any patient. Um, nurses who are working autonomously, such as in a school nurse role, have additional challenges because they're often working alone without any other healthcare provider to consult with or get a second opinion from. And they're working with populations of children who are perceived to be easy to care for. Um, but these kids do indeed have real needs and real problems. They're not just you know, going to school and living perfect lives. Um, despite the challenges though, any school nurses listening to this podcast should feel reassured that they're doing the best they can with the resources they have. Um, across the healthcare disciplines, we have to continue to advocate for school health initiatives that aim to reduce the stressors and unhealthy lifestyle choices that our school children experience today so they might attend school without pain and discomfort. Thank you. Is there anything else you'd like, you'd like to say about this paper or this area in general? Um, I think that whether the listeners are school nurses or nurse researchers or someone else, we do need to pay attention to this problem. Um, and continue to support the presence of healthcare providers in the school setting so that our kids can access them as needed. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you for having me. And for listeners who want to read the commentary, it's available on the Evidence-Based Nurse website, which is ebn.bmj.com. And the commentary is called School Nurses are Able to Support Adolescents Experiencing Pain Secondary to Stress and Unhealthy Life Choices.